We start a brand new series this morning called um, The 150, and we're going to be journeying through the Psalms together. And the Psalms are a collection of poems, prayers, and songs, and they're meant to be prayed, they're meant to be read, they're meant to be memorized, and they're meant to be sung. But maybe most of all, they're meant to be felt, they're meant to be experienced. The Psalms are much like a teenager because both are emotional roller coasters. Uh, And speaking of teenagers and roller coasters, uh, last Saturday, our student ministries went to Magic Mountain, Six Flags, and got to ride some roller coasters, had a great time. Our student ministries meet at 9.30 at this service across the way. You just follow the signs. So if you're a teenager, I encourage you to check that out. They had a blast. In the Psalms, we encounter unhindered joy and utter desolation. We encounter the amazing blessings of God as well as the abandonment of God. We encounter praise and we encounter lament. So over the next six weeks, leading up into Palm Sunday, we're going to be riding this roller coaster together, and I couldn't be more excited. And this morning, we're exploring the Psalms of creation, Noe mentioned in his prayer, uh, that we're intentional about, as soon as you walk in here, to help a sense of awe to awaken something in us as we look at the beauty of God's creation. And so each song that we sang deals with the creation and the majestic wonder that is the the world and the universe. Uh, And this morning we're focusing on the creation psalms, the psalms that praise God for the majesty and grandeur of all he has created. But first, let's have a little fun together, okay? I need you all to participate. I need you to think of a number between one and nine, Okay. Whatever it is, one to nine, think of that number. You got it in your head. Okay, good. Now, multiply that number by nine. Okay, some of you, it's been a while. (laughs) Nine times nine is 81. Nine times uh, eight is 72. Okay. Uh, Now, add the digits of your answer together. So if if it ended at 35, three plus five is eight. Okay, do you have that number now? You've added the digits together. Now, subtract five. Whatever that digit was, minus five. Okay, you're with me? Everyone's still there? You got that number? Now, if A is one and B is two and C is three, what number or what letter is associated with the number that you currently are thinking of? Okay, think of it. You got it. Now, think of a country with that letter, starting with that letter. Some of you have... You're going back to college geography, and you should have paid attention more. Okay, maybe it's a country in Europe. Maybe it's a country in South America. Now, next, think of a mammal beginning with the last letter of that country. So whatever the last letter of that country is, now think of a mammal. Okay, we're almost done. Sit tight. Now, whatever the last letter of that animal is, Think of a fruit that begins with that letter. So whatever that mammal was, last letter, fruit. Okay, so you all started out with different numbers. And now you're thinking of a country, an animal, and a fruit. Let me see if I can read anybody's mind this morning. How many of you guys are thinking of a kangaroo, an orange, and Denmark? Raise your hand. (laughs) You're freaking out right now. Some of you are thinking of a koala in Denmark. We're eating an apple. Uh, even less number of you uh, are thinking of 
animals from Djibouti or Dominican Republic. Uh, were you surprised that I was able to read your mind like that? Now, maybe just a little bit amazed. That's one of the things I've always enjoyed about magic tricks, right? That sense of surprise, that sense of, how did they do that? Magic tricks catch us off guard. And when they're done really well by a master, they can leave us with a sense of wonder, amazement, and maybe even awe. But in the end, we know it's just a trick, right? It's all smoke and mirrors. And if we knew the secret, we wouldn't be so amazed. Uh, and by the way, if you're wondering how that happened just a second ago, it's a mathematical certainty that you'll end up with the number nine when you add the digits together. Then you minus five, you'll end up at four, which would be the letter D. And there's only three nations in the world with the start with the letter D. And most of you would think of kangaroo instead of a koala. And there's only one fruit that begins with an O. So it's not magic, it's math. Uh, Take away the amazement. Take away the wonder. I want you right now, though, to take a moment and think about a time when you felt a genuine sense of awe and wonder. Maybe it was gazing up at a star-filled sky. Perhaps it was contemplating the beauty of God's creation, the power of a storm, the grandeur of a sunset, the delicate nature of a rose, the intricacies of a snowflake, the miracle of childbirth. This morning, I'd like to suggest to you that a fundamental doorway to experience God is awe, is wonder. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 8, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, What are mere mortals that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I suppose that this beautiful section of the psalm grew out of David's memory of lying in the fields at night, staring at the stars when he was a shepherd boy, caring for the sheep. Not many of us experience this today because we live within the city limits, and often the city lights block out the night sky. But out in the country, you know how majestic the sky is. This was especially true for David, for in the east, the Near East, the air is extremely clear. And this king, King David, recalls the nights when he was a shepherd boy. And he lays down on the, in the pasture, with his hands behind his head, staring at the stars. And he says, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you are mindful of him? Awe and wonder open our eyes to the full reality of God's presence in our lives and in our world. See, we live in a space age. Uh, We've watched rockets take off and land on the moon. We've witnessed people landing on the moon. TV documentaries, we've seen everything from the mystery of childbirth to uh, space, the universe, planets. We've lost this sense of awe and wonder. We've watched flowers grow, fish spawn, stars become supernovas. There's no more mystery. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. But the truth is, we were created for wonder. 
for life in a far greater story. And fairy tales and fantasies are just reflections of those deep human longings for something more, something greater, something beyond. C.S. Lewis, in his reflections on the Psalms, refers to Psalm 19 as the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. That's high praise coming from the professor of English literature at Oxford. And this is what Psalm 19 declares. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Isn't that beautiful? The testimony of God comes by way of the glory of the world. There is a voice that goes out into the world, and it's not audible. But wherever you are in the world, you can look up and hear this voice. And in the Hebrew, it's even more clear because the image literally is of a gushing spring that pours forth revelation. It's not just a whisper. It's, it's, it's this roaring rush of revelation. The stars speak, the flowers and the trees and the birds of the air. They speak and they declare the good creator. The passage continues, in the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. I think that's an interesting phrase. God pitched a tent for the sun. Because of all of our advances in astronomy over the past hundred years, we're beginning to understand kind of how the solar system in in the universe begins to work. But for David, it says God gave the sun a tent. Right? At the end of the day, the sun goes in the tent and goes night-night and zips it up and goes to bed. And then every morning, he's like, it's time. And he zips it up and he's like, yeah. That's how the ancients viewed it. God gave the sun a tent at night. Verse 5, it is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Life on our planet demands the existence of the sun. Without the sun, we're done. Okay, now I'm the poet. I didn't even know it. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon says this. He is wisest who reads both the world book and the word book as two volumes of the same work and feels concerning them, my father wrote them both. That's amazing. John Calvin says that the world is a theater of divine glory. Sarah and I have been to several concerts, plays, and musicals over the years, and we've seen some pretty amazing uh, performances. And at the end of these performances, the crowds clap, right? And then they keep clapping, and then someone in the crowd then stands up and claps. And then everybody else starts to stand up, and Sarah and I look around us, and the people around us are standing up. And so we feel obliged to also stand up and therefore give this performance a standing ovation. Uh, It's a standing ovation, but it's an obligated standing ovation. Have you been in a theater like that before? Very rarely have I been in front of such a performance where it was an uncontrollable, you know, Lady Gaga, and 
if the Oscars receive two standing ovations, if the world is a theater of divine glory, we should be giving God the standing ovation. Just that I can't help myself. We drive out into beyond the city limits and we pull over and we step out and we stare at the skies. And it's just like the slow clap, right? It's, it's this uncontrollable response to the grandeur and beauty of God's work. Just look at the beauty of natural, the natural beauty of God's creation, the natural wonders such as waterfalls, oceans, mountains. You can see the beauty and majesty of God's creation, the natural life, plants, flowers, trees. Have you ever been lost staring at a dandelion in the grass? Or even better, even more beautiful, even more holy when a child grabs one and makes a wish and blows on it, and then they float away into the wind. There's something amazing and beautiful and powerful in that moment. In the animal world, it's amazing. I've spent a lot of time in Southern Africa, and so I've seen some animals, and I've had some up-close and personal encounters. One time we were in a boat in the Shirde River, and a hippopotamus came and tipped our boat, and there were crocodiles right next to us. It was, it was very scary. Uh, we'd been nearly charged by elephants. <laughs> uh, but the animal that I got closest, most up close and personal with, the animal that inspired a sense of wonder and awe in me and actually led me to go and read and study about this animal is none other than the jackass penguin. <laughs> and you're thinking, What? The, the jackass penguin, they're, they're called that because the noise they make resembles that of a donkey. Uh, 150 years ago, they were called beach donkeys by the early European settlers in Africa because they, they followed the sound of these donkeys, these penguins, to the beach only to see that they were actually penguins. Uh, now, some of these penguins can be found in South Africa, and some can be found in the bottom part of South America. And you might be thinking, Africa? Penguins? What? Uh, I see desert. I see jungle. There ain't no penguins, you know. There's no happy feet running through the jungle with a lion chasing them, right? There's this massive colony on Boulder's Beach in South Africa. My brother and I went there, and we hung out with these penguins. And it seems that the scientists are, are, aren't for sure of what happened, but it seems that there was a journey of leaving Antarctica and swimming across the sea, either to the southern part of South America or to the South Africa, and that this journey changed the penguins to where now their voice sounds like that of a donkey. The journey changed them. The journey made them something new. Is that true for any of us, Right? Has, has the journey changed you? Has your journey changed you? The life of the natural world is amazing. So is this journey that we call life, and they're connected, inextricably linked. Whenever you experience this awe and wonder of God's creation, we remember it, and we, and we want to take a picture of it, right? And when we are sharing experience with others, we show it to them, right? We take this amazing picture, and we, we, we come back, and we want to show them on our phone. We want to show the, the developed picture, and what's the first thing you do? What's the first thing you say when you show one of these pictures? You say, oh, 
the photo doesn't do it justice. And then you go off on just the beauty and majesty of it. There's something about God's created image bearers and God's creation that they're, they're connected. You ever talk to someone who just got back from a tropical vacation, like at a beach? You know what they never say? It was awesome. We just locked ourselves in a room, bought a bunch of black lights, drank Mountain Dew and Pop Rocks. Never went outside one time. It was perfect. No. What do they say? They say, I drank from an actual coconut. The coconut was in my hand and I drank from it. My feet, I, I, the, 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 the sand between my toes was amazing. The water was so clear that you could dive down so far and I could still see you. We saw these fish. We saw this whale. We saw a dolphin. That's what we say. The world is a theater of divine glory. The Hebrew word for heaven is hashamayim. And it literally means the heavens. There is no singular heaven in Hebrew. It's just hashamayim, the heavens. And it refers to the sky, the clouds, the sun, the stars, and all that is beyond. Psalm 19.1 says this, The heavens, hashamayim, declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Let's do some science here. Now, the edge of the universe is roughly 90 billion trillion miles away. Okay? It, roughly, roughly is the word you use when you can estimate that you could be off by actually millions of miles. But that's what scientists say. The visible universe is a million, 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 million miles across. And all of the galaxies in the universe are moving farther away from other galaxies in the universe at the same time. The solar system that we live in, which fills less than a trillionth of available space, is moving at 558,000 miles per hour. Our, our solar system, uh, it's part of the Milky Way galaxy, and it takes our solar system between 200 and 250 million years to orbit the Milky Way once. Then there's all that we don't know. A staggering 96% of the universe is made up of black holes, dark matter, and dark energy. And these mysterious phenomenon are hard to understand and yet are the major engine of life for the universe, leaving us with 4% of the universe that is actually knowable. 4%. I once heard that if you were to hold a dime at arm's length and look up to the sky... The coin itself would block out 15 million stars if your eyes had the capacity to see that far. The universe is big, but let's go the other way. Atoms, as it turns out, are very small. About one million atoms lined up side by side are as thick as a human hair. A single grain of sand contains 22 quintillion atoms, which is a 22 with 18 zeros after it. That's small. But it was discovered that atoms are not actually in and of themselves. They're composed of protons and neutrons. And the center of the atom is called the nucleus, which is one millionth of a billionth of the volume of an atom. And if an atom were blown up to the size of a football stadium, the nucleus would be the size of a grain of rice, yet it would weigh more than the stadium itself. 
Now, the staggeringly tiny size of atoms in subatomic particles, it's hard to understand just the minute size of them. But it's what these, it's what these subatomic particles do that actually are unfathomable. Many popular images of an atom lead us to think it's kind of like a solar system with, with the nucleus in the middle and then protons and neutrons kind of flo floating around. But those early pioneering scientists learned that this is not actually the way things work. What they learned is that electrons don't orbit the nucleus in a continuous or consistent manner at all. What they do is disappear, disappear in one place and reappear in the other without having traveled the distance in between. They teleport. Particles vanish, and then they show up somewhere else, leaping from one location to another with no way to predict which way they will come and go. Niels Bohr was one of the first to come to terms with this new strange thing called quantum mechanics. Niels Bohr said this, that anyone who wasn't outraged on the first hearing about quantum theory didn't understand what was being said. Yeah, probably. They realize that these particles are in constant motion, exploring all the possible paths from point A to point B at the same time. They are simultaneously nowhere and simultaneously everywhere all at the same time. Anybody's else head spinning right now? And atoms are 99.9% .9 empty space. If all of the empty space was taken out of the atoms in the universe, the entire universe would fit into a sugar cube. <laughs> That's small. And you, you are fascinating, okay? Everyone look at your neighbor and say, you are fascinating. <laughs> you lose 50 to 150 strands of hair a day. Some of us lose more, okay? <laughs> you shed 10 billion flakes of skin a day. Every 28 days, you get completely new skin. And every nine years, your body is renewed. The dead skin that we shed makes up 90% of our household dust. Feel free to vacuum more, okay? And yet your body, in the midst of relentlessly shedding and dying and changing and renewing, continues to remember to be you. You never stop being you. Strand by strand, flake by flake, atom by atom. And Jesus, the, the one that we're singing to, the one that we're following, the one who loves us, holds everything together. Check this out, Colossians 1. For in him, speaking of Jesus, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Is Paul referring to subatomic particles? Maybe. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. In Jesus, everything is held together. Every star, every flower, every comet, every mountain, all the laws of gravity, all the laws of thermodynamics, it is all held together by Jesus. Every person, even everything that makes you, you, it's because of Jesus. Psalm 139 says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. 
I know that full well. You, individually, sitting in this auditorium, are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Some of you have struggled with your own value or self-worth. If only God had made me taller. If only God had made me thinner. If only God had made me more like this and less like that. God made you stitch by stitch. And you are wonderfully made. The Psalms of creation remind us how much God loves us. I want to invite knowing the worship band come up and I'll close with this. On the way, from home, on the way home from church, a little girl said to her mom, Mom, I've been thinking. And she says, oh yeah, about what? She said, well, my teacher in Sunday school said that God is bigger than we are. Is that true? She said, yes, that's true. She, she goes on to say, well, he said that God lives within us as well. Is that true, mom? And mom says, yes, honey, that, that's true as well. And the girl says, well, if God is bigger than us and he lives in us, shouldn't he show through? And her mom says, well, yes, yes, he should. And he does shine through not only in the creation, in the majestic wonder of all that is created in the heavens above and in the earth below, but he also shines through in you. He shines through in us. He shines through through our love for God and our love for others. He shines through by our patience. He shines through by our perseverance. He shines through by our prayers and uh, our, our faith. He shines through in every action that we have. He shines through me. He shines through you. God, I pray in Jesus' name that as we look up to the skies above. You're all muted. As we sing about the beauty and wonder of the indescribable creation you have made, that you, you, you hold it Together, all of it, from the most minute subatomic particle to the far reaches of the galaxy that we can never see or understand. Yet you hold it together. And what am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? And so God, as we look and think about the beauty of your creation, the bigness of your creation, the bigness and grandeur of our God, Perhaps our problems seem a little less big. Perhaps our shortcomings might use a good dose of trust in the God who holds all things together. So we thank you for that, Jesus. We pray, God, that as we sing and look and see the beauty of your creation, that it is a constant reminder that you love us and you call us to go and do likewise. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand up as we sing this song called Indescribable? You may recognize it from the early 2000s. <laughs> Nonetheless, lyrically beautiful, describing the indescribable that's all around us all the time. Let's declare the majesty and wonder of God.
From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea Creation revealing your majesty From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God All-powerful Untamable, awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, You are amazing, God. 